and uh, welcome from uh, from uh, Techland, uh, wherever you're you're joining us from. You're welcome to be with us here Sunday morning at Belgrade Church of Christ here in Montana. And it is a beautiful day, and so if you are somewhere else, uh, and it's uh, just to understand that we're um, we're here in a beautiful spot, and um, and you're welcome to come join us in person anytime. It's a it's a wonderful place to live, and uh, beautiful weather today. There is um, uh, something that was mentioned here just a minute ago. Is uh, we're going to be hosting a one day youth rally when we went to uh, to think and pray about uh, putting on a youth rally during this quarantine there was all sorts of obstacles that we we considered and one of the things that we we figured is uh, through prayer is that if we we could pretty easily put on a one day event that was outside and uh, so that's what we've uh, we're going to do uh, bob curry uh, from the livingston church of christ has offered his ranch to and we're going to be up there be outside and spread everybody out and and just have a uh, a great one-day youth rally. Uh, the Church of Christ in this region have responded, said, thank you for doing this. We're going to load people up or we're going to have encourage parents to bring their kids. We don't know how many kids will participate, how many will be there, but if you would like to help out, again, you can talk to Bachmeyers, Staley's, or, or Sylvia and I, and at uh, some point we'll have things going on this week as we, we get things up and rolling. I know, uh, and Michelle is uh, helping out with food if uh, you need, is that correct? Okay, that's because so much of it came together here the last little bit. And so if you want to help with food in some way, you can feel free to talk to Michelle, and, and she'll help uh, uh, tell you how, you how you can help in that area as well. There is, um, um, you know, one thing that uh, in this, uh, the, our elders and deacons meeting, we had a meeting this morning, and we've just got a, a great spirit among uh, the leaders here as we've uh, walked through this, uh, this quarantine and just how our, our world is is different in some ways, and one of the things that's been refreshing, daunting, I guess, but refreshing at the same time, is there's been books and books written for years about how to do ministry and, and how things should look in churches and, and that sort of thing, in addition to what we see in God's Word, just practical ways to implement this. But what's been really neat is being able to come to elders and deacons meetings and say, we have absolutely no idea what we're doing here. You know, it's kind of refreshing because what it does is it brings us back to relying on God and going back to Scripture and say, what, how can we, in a time that is different from what we, any of us have ever experienced and for whatever reason, how do we uh, do church or live out the kingdom of God in good and honorable ways? And I know as, as uh, the elders and deacons and myself, if there's a ministry opportunity or something comes across your way that you're passionate about, hey, we're all ears and we're excited about uh, partnering in, in whatever way for, for God's message to get out and, and good things to be done during this time. And so just, uh, just see, where, see where God may lead you and lead all of us as we walk together through, uh, again, uh, times that are, that are different than, than what we're used to. And one of the things that I know that I've been praying for, uh, and of course I could pray for this more and I wish I if I'd go back several months and, and uh, what is something that I could have prayed a lot, uh, prayed for a lot more than I have is wisdom. And I can't think of a time in my life where I think, okay, I, you know, I've prayed for wisdom enough. I think I've got a, a handle on this. I've got this all figured out, right? Has anybody ever been there? I've got it all figured out. Yeah, I see some of the older generation saying, absolutely not. So you're much wiser than myself. 
uh, with life uh, experiences, then I imagine that's true for all of us, is that we we just never don't have that, that wisdom that we would like sometimes. And hopefully, as we pray for it, as James tells us, God gives generously to all those who ask for wisdom. So in the next few weeks, we're going to take a look at some of the Proverbs, because now, as good as any other time, is a great time to talk about what are some ways that we can gain wisdom and and look more like God here in the next while. And we'll define wisdom here in a bit, and it's kind of hard to define, because sometimes in our world, we get wisdom and intelligence mixed up. And there's, I got a few stories, excuse me, that can speak to this, and I remember a big difference between intelligence and wisdom that I discovered when I was in college. And leading up to college, what I realized is, in our world, people were really excited about ACT score, SAT score, GPA, all of those sort of things. And uh, there was, I, I had decent scores and all those things, but there's many others that were much higher. And so there's many others that got scholarships that were much greater than mine because they, uh, they had better scores and, and all of those three things. And when I got to college, something really strange happened. Just amazing. I got to college, and there's uh, the college president at that point in time talked about how many students were had GPAs above such and such and had ACT scores above such and such. And I remember thinking, okay, well, those of us that don't have an ACT score above that, how does that make us feel when you talk about that constantly? But anyway, I didn't say anything. I just remember thinking that in, in my own head. But I remember one of the things that really jumped out to me is there were some kids that they were friends of mine that had unbelievable ACT and SAT scores and were on huge scholarships for their academics. And something that really strange started happening is that my GPA was much better than theirs. And I'm thinking, why is that? These people are so smart. How is that happening? And I realized what the common factor was, is that they didn't go to class. And I started thinking, wait a minute here. <laughs> There's something to this. If you don't go to class, then you don't get good grades. And there was actually one guy, his, his, actual, his name was, uh, his nickname, I don't even remember what his real name was, his given name by his parents, but he was just known as Skippy because that's what he did is he just skipped classes. And his grades weren't that great. And I, I just realized, wait a minute, there's a huge difference here between wisdom and intelligence. And I don't know that I could have put it in words then at that point in time. But I remember when I was an older student and I became a mentor for the freshmen that were coming in, what I told them was, it doesn't matter what your SAT or ACT scores were at a point in time. Go to class, okay? Just go to class. Because if you go to class, you'll probably get good grades because if you work hard, go to class, you demonstrate perseverance. It doesn't matter how smart you are. College degrees have more to do with perseverance than they do with intelligence. And so go to class for crying out loud. And I realized there was a great difference there between being smart and putting that intelligence, whatever it was, into practice in order to get good grades. difference between wisdom and intelligence. I remember another situation that happened in, in my life that helped me understand the difference between these two things. And I have a relative who is... Uh, extremely, extremely intelligent. 
And I'll, I won't go into some of the details, but if I told you some of the projects he worked on as an engineer, you would know what those projects are. You would immediately remember if you're the, the super young generation would not because they're Times have changed and such. But if I mentioned these projects to you, you'd say, oh yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Brilliant, brilliant guy. But when he was a teenager, he decided somewhere, whether it was conscious or, or subconscious, that he was just a little too smart for God. And he didn't need whatever God had to say in his life. And so on the outside, this relative of mine had everything together. He was given award after award after award for all of the engineering designs that he came up with. The problem was, on the inside, he was completely empty. And he went from relationship to relationship to relationship to, to broken friendships. And he ended up taking his own life because the world was so empty for him. It wasn't because of mental illness or anything like that. He just was empty, just empty, because he was really intelligent, but he had put wisdom by the wayside and didn't apply it in his own life. I mentioned the other night uh, at the uh, Belgrade Community Market, uh, Farmer's Market outside at uh, Lewis and Clark Park, the, uh, uh, the sprays were there and they had a booth and, and we were, I was helping them clean Put, take the booth apart because the wind had knocked just about everything over. It wasn't a good market night last Thursday night. That big wind came up and it was tables flying across the, the field and all that. It wasn't very good. But I mentioned that I was going to be talking about wisdom on Sunday morning. And Gabriel said something to me, and I wrote it down because I really got a kick out of it. He said, oh yeah, the difference between wisdom and intelligence. Intelligence is knowing that tomato, a tomato is a fruit, Right? A tomato is a fruit because it has seeds. But wisdom is knowing that it doesn't belong in a fruit salad. I love it. Intelligence is knowing a tomato is a fruit, and wisdom is knowing that it doesn't belong in a fruit salad. Great thing. Okay, okay. now that we, we're all clear there, I'm done. That's the lesson. I'm going to just sit down right now. He's got it all, all figured out for us, right? But there's a difference between wisdom and intelligence. And so in the Proverbs, they describe what it means to pursue wisdom or what it means to be wise. And so the term wisdom is the idea. It's used not only for intellectual things, but the skill of a craftsman. So, for example, it's used for sailors handling a ship in rough waters. Now, I've never been much of a sailor. I've, never, I've been on some big ships a few times, but I've spent a lot of time in a canoe. And I know that just because of Growing up on the water and spending a lot of time paddling, there's some things that I know and I can anticipate that I've learned that's a skill that I just, I don't know how to even describe to somebody else. You know what I'm talking about? When you've done something for such a long period of time and you've learned something hands-on, there's things that you can do that you just can't explain. I know that I've talked with Gary. Gary's a, a machinist and mechanic. And he's tried to explain some things to me at different times, and I'm sure my eyes are kind of like, as I can't, I know what he, he knows what he's talking about, talking about blueprinting machines and things like that. How many of you know what that is? Is that, did I use the word blueprint? So, bringing things back to exact tolerances, I have no idea what that's about. But Gary does. Gary spent a life with his hands learning this wisdom to be able to work as a craftsman in that way. 
And so wisdom is used oftentimes in Scripture as someone who has lived life in a way and has learned life in a way that life is, they are the craftsmen of life and they just do it well. Here is a, another description of wisdom is the formation of moral character or the ability to make the right choices at the opportune time, knowing the right thing to do at the right time and not just doing whatever I want, but, but the right thing. And there's a, we'll get into this here, but there is not a thus saith the Lord for every situation we come up against in life. And so those are times where we learn to be spirit-led. Again, I'm jumping ahead. We'll get to that. But knowledge and understanding, discretion, one of the dictionaries uh, from Hebrew that I looked up, it, it talked about knowledge, understanding, discretion. Great stuff. This is all wisdom. In other words, life, learning to do the right things at the right time and uh, doing life well. Okay? So we're going to get into uh, some of what... Proverbs 1 through 9 says here in just a second. But before we do that, I want to talk about just a few scriptures here. And uh, we won't, I won't read them except the last one. Let's go to Titus 3. Go ahead and turn to Titus 3. Titus chapter 3. There's a few scriptures that talk about Wisdom and, and sometimes they use the term maturity, but wisdom and maturity overlap a lot. You can see how that happens. We've read Ephesians 4, some of the verses there from 11 to 16 that talk about what a spiritual maturity looks like or a church that is mature. And Paul uses the example of a big ship that goes through waves and even the waves rock things around, but because spiritual maturity is able to not be run around by all these waves and everything that happens in life, but to be able to just move through it with maturity. That's uh, the definition there of maturity. In Hebrews 5, verses 11 through chapter 6, verse 3, the Hebrew writer says, you know, by this time you should be mature, but you're not. <laughs> We're having to deal with some of the basic things all over again. And he talks about instructions about baptism and prayer and all the, these things. He gives a list there. And you need to be able to move on from those things. And he says... People who are mature are acquainted with teachings about righteousness or wisdom, doing the right things at the right times. And so going beyond the specific issues and learning how to do life in a way that God's Spirit is broadcast from us and there's great spiritual fruit that comes. You see the difference there? That's the definition of spiritual maturity, and we'll talk more about that another time. But that's what what, uh, the Hebrew writer talks about. Now look at uh, Titus chapter 3, verses 9 through 11. But avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and arguments and quarrels about the law because these are unprofitable and useless. Sometimes as people, we just would love to talk about stuff that we're not going to resolve in this life and spend all of our time on that. There's a a gentleman that, that became a Christian years ago in Great Falls, and he was a friend of mine. And for him, he was really excited about reading Revelation and reading books about Revelation, and he loved to do it. And I could not get him for the life of me to read the Gospels because he was just so excited about what Revelation had to say that he missed some of the things that were most important right in front of him because he really didn't know Jesus at all. He knew Revelation, but he didn't know Jesus. And so he was not able to go to maturity because he just wanted to deal with those particular issues in in the way he understood Revelation. But look at... um, what, what Paul is saying there to Titus, avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and arguments and quarrels about the law because these are unprofitable and useless. 
And then he warns, if a person's continually stirring the pot, then you warn them. And, and uh, that's, that's because that's not what we're supposed to be. That's not maturity. That's not wisdom in God's kingdom. And so going back to Proverbs, go ahead and turn to Proverbs in the first, uh, the first verses there. Uh, I'll get there myself. Hey, how many of you have read Proverbs at some point in time? Okay. Proverbs, there's 31 chapters. You can read one chapter a day and get through it in a month. And there's some great spiritual guidance comes from that. Because Proverbs, what they're designed to do is, as we'll see here, sayings and teachings from God that give us wisdom or give us maturity. And there's a couple of characters in the first nine chapters that tell us about wisdom. The first one is a father talking to his son, saying, Son, this is how things are supposed to be. This is how things are supposed to, uh, life is supposed to go. How many of you have had, at some point in time, whether it's biological or, or not, a father figure, mother figure, that was willing to say, this is what life is about, and this is, these are the types of things you should be doing and how you live right? You think about that? Yeah. That's so important in life is having those people. Because if we don't, we don't mature like we, we could or should. And so Proverbs in the first verses, or first nine chapters, which you see over and over again, is a father saying, son, listen to my instruction, listen to my wisdom. And we'll talk about some of the specifics here in just a minute. But then there's this other character that is just referred to as wisdom and all and referred to as she, as in woman wisdom. How many of you have studied foreign languages at some point in time? Some of you, okay. There is a, something I realized when I studied my first foreign language that really threw me for a loop. And being a, someone who is a, a born English speaker, and uh, English, if you study the history of our language, is, is a train wreck between a Germanic language and Latin coming together and, and this massive train wreck, and that's what we have as, as our English language. That's why things are written very differently than we say them, all of that sort of thing. But I, I realized that a lot of languages of the world have words, have gender. And I thought, what? How on earth is that possible? How on earth is it possible for a word to be male or female? And I remember moving to Italy and going through language school and understanding that if I am going to speak the Italian language, I've got to realize that I've got to think in these terms that I've never thought of before. And in Hebrew, the term wisdom is female. Don't know why, but maybe it evolved that way just because this is a mother speaking to her child, and that's wisdom. But maybe... Who woman wisdom is, is, as you see being referred to in the first nine chapters of, of, um, of Proverbs, is just part of that personification of God, is God's wisdom and, and being demonstrated. And I think that's part of it. But another part of it that I've not thought about before until this week, but it got me thinking, is one of the characters in the first nine chapters of Proverbs is the adulteress. And the adulteress comes up over and over again, and as the father is extolling his son to say, stay away from her, she's bad, she's going to get you in trouble, the adulteress is like, hey, come on over here, man, it's all good. In fact, let me read just a little section here. Proverbs chapter 5, 1 through 6. Hey, listen to this. 
My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Turn your ear to my words of insight that you may maintain discretion and your lips may preserve knowledge for the lips of the adulterous woman drip honey and her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is as bitter as gall, sharp as a double-edged sword. Her feet go down to death and uh, her steps lead straight to the grave. She gives no thought to the way of life. Her paths wander aimlessly, but she does not know it. And so you can imagine this father sharing, son, don't go down that road. It doesn't matter how pretty she is. If she's not your wife, she's not yours, man. Do not go down that road. That's a bad deal. But what better way for a father to be able to explain this to his son? If you fast forward to chapter 8, listen to this description of woman wisdom. Chapter 8, verse 1, Does not wisdom call out, does not understanding raise her voice at the highest point along the way where the paths meet, she takes her stand. Beside the gate leading into the city, at the entrance, she cries aloud, To you, O people, I call out, I raise my voice in all mankind. You who are simple, gain prudence. You who are foolish, set your hearts on it. Listen, for I have a trustworthy things to say. I open my lips to speak what is right. My mouth speaks what is true, for my lips detest wickedness. All the words of my mouth are just. None of them is crooked or perverse. To the discerning, all of them are right. They are upright to those who have found knowledge. Choose my instruction instead of silver. Knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is more precious than rubies, and nothing you desire can compare with her. If you're a young man, and you're thinking, who am I going to be attracted to? Is it going to be the adulteress that tries to pull me into destruction? Or as the father is sharing right here, said, Son, you've got to learn to love someone, love wisdom. Love it and pursue it. And so as this young man grows up, he listens to these instructions and he realizes, man, there's a beautiful woman out there called wisdom, and I'm going to find her someday. <laughs> and that's what I want to be attracted to. See, we've got a choice, we've got a path, what direction we're going to go. And wisdom can be really attractive. Continuing in Proverbs, the purpose is to address specific moral issues. In the first three chapters, you see these three moral issues come up over and over again. Acquiring wealth, how not to do it and how to do it. That comes up over and over again in the first chapters and all throughout Proverbs. Second is peer pressure. What kind of examples do you have around yourself? If you surround yourself with people that cause trouble, you are eventually going to go there. So surround yourself with people of wisdom. That's very important. Furthermore, is stay away from sexual immorality. That is absolutely destructive and will destroy your life. And there's all sorts of counsel given from the father to the son on, on how to, uh, to avoid that type of, of temptation. And also to expose the difference between two lifestyle choices. And really, we have that, that choice today just like they, they did then. Is we have a choice between wisdom and life or folly and death. Folly meaning doing whatever I want at any given time. And what we do every day, we make that choice. It's like a, a, a road that goes down or a trail. We have a choice. If we choose wisdom in life, then we stay on that trail. If we choose folly, if we choose to do whatever I want, whatever feels good in every given moment, then ultimately I'm going to walk right off that trail into some sort of death. And Maybe Proverbs says it even better than this in the first verses there. And I'm going to share some verses up here from Proverbs. 
Proverbs talks about in the first uh, few verses there as far as the purpose is for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction and prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. And if you notice the footnote there, the Hebrew word rendered simple in Proverbs denotes a person who is gullible without moral direction and inclined to evil. That's the idea. When I read that description... I thought, who, how have I been that way? Who have I been in contact with that really fits this description? And there was a guy that came back to me that when I was in college. And he was, I considered him a friend. We were friends. He grew up in a church, grew up in a Christian home. His parents loved God. He uh, knew that he wanted to love God on some level. But I remember... Whenever there was a few guys that had graduated the year before, came back to town, what happened is my friend would join up with them and he would get right back into some of the activities that he had been before, started drinking, would get in trouble. And I remember one time, myself and another couple of guys were were sitting together and we knew that these other guys were coming back into town and they were friends of mine too, but I wasn't... They had different priorities than me. We weren't upset at each other. We weren't enemies, anything like that. Just very different priorities. And I remember sitting down with my friend and talking and saying, Hey, you know, so-and-so is coming back into town here the next few days. What are you going to do? And you could see from his reaction, Oh, I know I shouldn't go hang out with those guys because I know I'll drink. I know, I know I shouldn't do that. I know that's not right. I know, but I'm probably going to do it anyway. Like, what are you talking about? You have a choice here. You do not have to go down this road. You don't have to. You can get yourself in trouble, also get kicked out of school. All sorts of stuff can happen here. Oh, I know, but uh, uh, that sort of thing. And I thought about this definition. One who up here really wants to do right, but is gullible and without moral direction and just has an inclination to evil. When that temptation comes... He knows ahead of time, yeah, I'm probably going to fall right into that. I'm probably going to do it. That's just how things, things are. And so the good news is Proverbs are designed to help a person when we're in that spot to be different, to make better choices that honor God and to pursue, a, pursue life instead of death. Here's some uh, other verses from Proverbs, just down a few verses into chapter 1. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. When we talked about the fear of the Lord here last year, we spent some time in this verse here. Because according to the Proverbs, that's where it all starts. That is the foundation of everything else. There's a lot of ways to gain wisdom. We can get it through relationships and friendships with other people, learning from others. We can get it from books. We can get it from seminars. We can get wisdom in all sorts of different ways here. But the foundation of all of it that determines whether it leads to life or leads to ultimately to destruction is that if the foundation is there in a healthy respect of God. Because if we don't have that healthy respect for God, then ultimately what we're going to do is we're going to come across some philosophy or wisdom that seems right to us but ultimately is going to lead us down a road that we can't see but it's going to lead to some sort of destructive behavior. Hey, we'll come back to that. But you notice here, again, the footnote is the Hebrew words rendered fool in Proverbs 
and often elsewhere in the Old Testament, denote a person who is morally deficient. Kind of like simple, but with a tilt more towards evil. And that I'm going to do whatever I want because that's what I'm going to do. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. I'm just going to do it and I'm going to go for it. Everybody else is an idiot. I've got my stuff all figured out kind of thing. And the Proverbs say, man, that's going to lead to destruction. It's going to hurt you. For the next uh, little bit, I'm going to walk through some of, the, uh, some of what Proverbs talks about in chapter 3 because there's some nuggets, if we can say it that way, of things that people who have a fear of the Lord and are pursuing wisdom, what they look like. And so how, I don't know how many of you are, has anybody ever found a gold nugget in here? And I'm sure some, I don't know. You have, Tony? You found a gold nugget before? How big was it? A big bit like a grain of sand, a little bigger than a grain of sand. You know, you always wonder that you stumble across some place and you pull this big gold nugget out of the ground and your fortunes change, you know, that sort of thing. And so think about it this way. Is here in the next week, choose one of these things up here that I'm going to read to you make a few comments about, to say, I am going to make an effort to pray about this and pursue this because I am missing some of this in my life. So first of all, here is from uh, Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. I think about how many books are out there and how many books that I have read that talk about how how to have a long life. Don't eat carbs, don't eat proteins, don't eat sugar, salt. Don't eat, and we're because whatever we eat is going to kill us, right? Yeah, something like that. Or some of these books, and there's fantastic material out there, okay? I'm not saying that. There's great, great material out there. There's great material out there on how to, to live in peace with others. How to... Have great prosperity in life by whatever definition you choose. There's books about that. What I see here is that when we pursue the wisdom of God, then all of these things are ours, right? We pursue the wisdom of God, long life, peace, prosperity. Those are things that God tends to give to us, or at least he has the keys for them for us to unlock those things. Something to think about, something to consider. What type of wisdom are you pursuing? Here's another one that I thought was great. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes, for the Lord, fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. I know that... Uh, Sometimes, for maybe all of us, our tendency is to think, I've got stuff figured out. Look how smart I am. Everyone else out there is an idiot. Nobody else understands the stuff that I do. And we, can, we usually don't say it out loud because it comes across as arrogant, doesn't it? When we just talk about how everybody else is just down there somewhere and nobody else has got stuff figured out like I do. And this proverb tells us, mm, be careful. Don't think that you're so smart. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Because God has a way 
of showing you wisdom that you don't see right now. I remember in a class when I was at Harding, uh, working on a master's program, uh, this guy, I've lost touch with him, and I'm I'm not sure where he's at now, but he had just come back from being a missionary uh, overseas uh, for the last 10 years, and he was a really different guy than one that I had, had typically interacted with in ministry. And he had become a Christian as an adult. He was in his early 20s, and he became a Christian, And he said, the way he described himself, he said, I was just a weed-smoking hippie, and I made pottery for my job. That's what I did, and I just kind of hung out. And someone shared the gospel with me, and it just touched my heart, and it changed me. And so he went away to school and ended up, he knew that he was not going to be one that fit in a preaching ministry type of thing at all. He said, why on earth would I do that, get up and have everybody criticize you every week? I don't want to do something like that. But what he found out is God has gifted him to be an evangelist. He ends up overseas and uh, part of a very successful ministry, a church plant, elders appointed. And uh, he said, well, it's time for me to leave and for them to, to, uh, to grow without me here. And so he came back and he was going to school again and he was in some of my classes. And something that I remember about him is here is this guy that's had this ministry that is successful in so many different ways. And he's sitting there in class, and I heard him say over and over again, wow, that's neat, I've never thought about that. And me as a young guy, I thought, ooh, that's a great example. Now this guy's not putting up airs, not trying to be smarter than he is, not thinking he's smarter than he is. I remember him telling me in times when we weren't in the middle of class, just talking about just life and and, uh, things that he was his own shortcomings that he saw. And what I saw in that is someone who understood that was not wise in his own eyes or didn't lean too much on his own understanding because he knew what that got him. Weed-smoking hippie didn't lead him too far. But he had learned to lean on God in his understanding because life was so much better that way. Great example for me, and I hope that me sharing that is good for you as well. Here's another one. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. This comes up over and over and over again. The Proverbs comes up in all parts of the Old Testament, whether it be the, the prophets or back in Genesis, you see this concept, you see it in the New Testament as well, is that if God owns everything and we're generous towards God, then what happens is God takes care of us. Okay, This is not one of these, hey, if you invest so much, then you get, you get so much in return. But the concept is just very simply this, is that the best way to grow financial security as godly people is to put God first and be generous to him first and foremost. I think that's probably a good thing for us to remember during this time. Some of us are, are hurting more financially than we were before. Some of us have more abundance than we've ever had. Whatever your case may be, this is, this is a, a promise of God who made everything to consider where our heart's at. Here's another one. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves. As a father, the son he delights in. Now this is important Because sometimes when we have consequences because of our actions, we have a tendency to remember the the term stiffen our neck, as the scripture says, or as a a mule or or horse that has a bridle on that gets its neck stiff and will not turn. 
How many of you are horse riders? Okay. Have you ever ridden a horse that had a stiff neck? Okay. Is that bad? Yeah, that's bad. Okay. Right. And so God's saying, don't be that way. Don't be one that, that resists. But sometimes when consequences are brought into your life because of your own actions, learn from it. What I'm doing is teaching you. Just like a father that wants his son to blossom and to do well, you've got to learn these things. Okay, Do not resist me. And I, I don't know how many people I, that I've talked with at times that have been so angry with God because of what they perceived as God being unfair to them or something happened in their life or somebody else has this and I don't, whatever it may be, and they just rage against God and rage against other people. And whenever I have, I'm face-to-face with someone like that, I think, boy, that is not what I want to be. Because when we resist God and resist His correction and training, then it's just hard on us, isn't it? It's just destructive. And so be a, a follower of God that is, is willing to accept correction and grow from that, whether it comes through other people or wherever it comes. It's very, very important. Here's another one. Blessed are those who find wisdom, those who gain understanding, for she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. There's a, some stock market advice right there. Pursue wisdom. That's better even than, uh, than silver and gold. She is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. And as a young person, listening to his father's instruction in those first nine chapters of Proverbs, you can imagine this young man sitting there thinking, wow, there's all sorts of things I can pursue in life. I can pursue friends that end up being bad and lead me down a wrong road. I can pursue wealth and realize that my life's empty anyway. I can pursue all sorts of things. I can pursue sexual immorality and realize that's going to leave me empty. But boy, if I set my heart on pursuing the wisdom of God, then look at what the promise of God is to deliver. And remember, Proverbs is designed for people who are simple and people who are fools like you and me to look a whole lot more like God than we ever would otherwise. To be able to handle and walk through situations that we don't know the answer for, we don't know what to do, but God provides solutions through his, his own wisdom. And again, wisdom starts with, remember, where's the foundation for wisdom? The fear of the Lord is where it all starts. And I would encourage you during this time to... To be one who is, uh, if, you're, if your spiritual life right now is kind of blah, you're not into God's Word, you're not um, really pursuing Him, then, then recommit to do that. And if you're in a place where you have not chosen to follow Jesus and become a Christian yet, let's talk about that for just a second here. There is, uh, um, I've been, uh, something that's been, been tough on me this summer is, Yellowstone Bible Camp, the youth camp's not happening this summer. I'm really excited that we're going to have a one-day youth rally, and the excitement that I've heard from kids has been been huge because uh, the kids that would typically go and find spiritual encouragement at youth rallies and camps have not been able to to get some of that. And so this is uh, we're going to host that this this Saturday. And one of the things that uh, our our theme is not going to be as exciting as it usually is. It's not going to be elaborate. There's not going to be fantastic decorations. But we're simply telling the theme is overcoming obstacles. And there's going to be some lessons from James that basically say this. There's going to be obstacles in life. There's going to be tons of them. 
But it's up to you to decide, I am going to pursue God in all of it. And all of that starts with all of us saying, boy, I am going to pursue God, I'm going to become a Christian, and I'm going to base my foundation and my faith on the creator of the world that has unlimited wisdom that he wants to give me. I remember when I made that decision. I was a young guy, I was at school, and I remember just burning in me that I was saying, oh man, I know that I need to become a Christian. I know that uh, I'm, I'm young, I'm still living under my parents' roof, and I've got, you know, if I died right now, um, yeah, I, well, I know that I've got sin in my life. I'm just not liking what this looks like. You know, honestly, I'm not going to be God, but it really, but I want to be God's. I want to be God's. I want to live with him forever. And I remember calling my dad up and saying, all right, dad, I'm, I'm getting on the bus. I'm going to come home. And that was the time I want to be baptized. And, uh, and I remember I had to get permission to, to leave class and, and go call my parents because phones back then, they were attached to the wall and they had a cord attached to them and I couldn't just you know, take a phone and, and dial it and all that. I had to leave the room and, and, and kind of get the cord and wrap myself around because I wanted to call my dad and, and mom and I wanted to tell them that I couldn't wait anymore, that there was nothing in this earth that was going to prevent me from giving my life to Christ today. And so... That may be where some of you are at, and you just need someone to say, hey, why not right now? Why not today? Why not whatever is going on in your heart? Because if you've not made that commitment to approach God in repentance and faith and baptism and come into his kingdom and to start eternity, then there's no better day than today. If you'd like to talk some more, I'm available. The elders are in the back. Find a Christian that has been a Christian for a while that you love, that is a good example, and say, hey, tell me about becoming a Christian. What does that look like? And let them tell you their story. You can come into the kingdom of God and have access to this wisdom that leads us into eternity. One more thing I'll say. Elders are in the back if you'd like to have prayers of the church. But I was, uh, on Friday I went over and I, I saw Janet, and Janet's mom, June, passed away. If you remember... June was baptized during the, a youth rally here a few years ago. Was it three years ago? Two years ago? Three years ago? Okay, two years ago. Yeah. And June said, I cannot wait any longer. And I got her up there and needed help. And so Russell Epperson came up. And there were several of us up there. And June was baptized. And I remember talking to, to Janet. And there'll be um, more uh, details for uh, memorial service for June coming up here. June passed away this last, uh, last week. But, but Janet and I, as we talked, she said, I'm just so glad that my mom is with God now. And she has that hope. She has that promise of God who created the world. That he's gathered June and saying, hey, you're with me now. And that's great. And imagine, I don't know how all that works. I mean, we can get into the details of now or later or whatever. But whether it's now or whether it's later, whatever. Can you imagine the stuff that June is seeing? Amazing. And for us as Christians, pursuing wisdom, pursuing spiritual maturity, launching into eternity, that all starts now. If you'd like to be a part of that and you're not, you're welcome to today, whenever. There's still water during quarantine, right? There's still faith. There's still repentance during quarantine, right? 
We can continue on with that. Let's stand and sing together. Or let's sing.